Hey, so we have been, if you've not been with us, in a study in the, uh, oh, you know, before we get to that, let's, let's put that one up. Very good. So, so hey, just a reminder, we, were, we are going to relaunch. We're doing a rebranding and changing our name and uh, ordering new signs, and we have a new logo and all that kind of stuff, just sort of a fresh start. That's going to happen on Easter Sunday, April 21st. And we are going to invite the community around us uh, via several different methods, but some mailing and other things like that. But I would encourage you guys also to think about on Easter this year, maybe inviting somebody to come with you. Maybe your neighbor, family, friends, co-workers, whoever. It could be a good day, all right? So Easter Sunday, April 21st, we will become Cascade Vineyard uh, in a reflection of the Cascade Mountain a beautiful, beautiful mountain logo. Uh, and with that, now we'll get into it. So, oh, wait, do you have the picture of the kids? There they are. Turn the lights off for a second. Let's just look at them. That's uh, our group as they took off Friday morning. Tucker sent me another picture after they'd been in the van for about 15 hours, and they did not look quite as fresh and smiley. Um, but anyway, there they are. And just keep them in your prayers this week uh, as they serve the Lord and eat tacos. And everybody loves, everybody loves a good taco, right? Amen. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, yeah, so now, uh, Gospel of Luke. Been in the Gospel of Luke for several months now. We have worked our way all the way to chapter 5. Last week, we talked about kingdom healing. And uh, healing is really a part of the purpose of God in the world today. It's, it's built in. It's inherent in Jesus' ministry, uh, His presence in the world it's God's will to heal us. Uh, it's always God's will to heal us. That's not in question. There are other factors involved, and so not everyone that we pray for gets healed, but that does not detour us. We want to continue to press in and press on and continue to ask God for healing and pray for healing, uh, and we will do that uh, every week that we're here and in midweek and in other opportunities as well. This morning, we're going to look at chapter 5. I want to... Uh, Look at the first 11 verses of chapter 5, but our title this morning is Gone Fishing, and that might give you a little clue as to what this text is about, but let's pray and then we'll, we'll look at it. Father, thanks so much for your goodness here today, and I pray that uh, you would open your word to us this morning, that it would touch our hearts and cause us to really reflect on what it means to walk with you and to serve you in a fresh way uh, this day and every day. Amen. All right, if you want to go ahead and go to the text there. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Uh, Luke uses the... uh, the uh, title of Lake of Gennesaret here. This is actually the Sea of Galilee. They're one and the same. The name changed uh, regionally. So depending upon where you lived uh, dictated what you called it. So people up in the north near Gennesaret would call it the Lake of Gennesaret. Others would call it Sea of Galilee, same body of water. Teacher, uh, Jesus is teaching. So it's early in his ministry, but he's already, uh, you know, there's already a buzz. Uh, people are hearing about him. They've heard about some of the healings that have happened. And so crowds are coming. They're kind of crowding around him. And if you can imagine, kind of pressing in on him. And so Jesus, 
gets a little creative and he gets into this boat. He's going to go offshore a little bit. Uh, I, I also think I was, I was actually this morning driving in, I thought uh, not only was Jesus making a logistical decision in terms of his teaching, I have a feeling that he already had in mind what was coming a little bit later as he, as he made that choice to get into the boat. But he gets into the boat and pushes offshore a little bit. So now you can, you can see he's, he's uh, offshore teaching. And he, I, I love it. Luke is uh, so, his penchant for detail is beautiful. He says Jesus sat down to teach, which I would just say if you're ever teaching from a boat, that's a good idea, okay? You don't want to rock the boat. So he sits down. And after he shares, uh, he has a little small group time with Peter, James, and John. And we'll look at the next little section here. It says, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. A couple things here. Uh, First of all, Peter, uh, James, and John are professional fishermen. This is what they do. It's what they do every day. It's what they do all day, every day. Jesus is a carpenter. Uh, it's a worthy trade, but it's not a fisherman. Um, the guys had been fishing all night, and they had not caught anything. So, one, they were discouraged. Two, they were tired. I don't know if you've ever fished with a net. Most of us have not, but it's hard work. And three, uh, as previously mentioned, they were commercial fishermen. So not only did they work all night and were very tired, but they made no money. No fishy, no money. Uh, So, it was a bad day. Tired discouraged, broke. Second thing here, and you'll find this interesting, you you don't pick this up in the English text, but if you dig a little bit into the Greek, you find out there are actually two words in Greek for net. Uh, And the difference is there are two kinds of nets. One is used in the daytime, and one is used in the nighttime. And the reason is that the... Nighttime nets are stronger, they are made of a different material, but they are also more visible. But because it's dark, they can't be seen, so they use those at night. In the daytime, they use a lighter weight net uh, that's not as strong and not as durable, but it is less visible. And so... On top of the fact that Jesus isn't really a fisherman and he's telling the fishermen what to do, he's also instructing them to let down their nighttime nets that they've been using in the morning. And so he's telling them to put the wrong nets in the water. So you remember uh, last week, chapter 4, Jesus had healed Simon's mother-in-law. Simon, you know, is aware of that. He knows that. He's thankful. 
And I think he's being gracious to Jesus here. Um, I'm, I might be reading between the lines a little bit, but I think it was probably begrudgingly that Simon said, we'll let down the nets. We'll go ahead and do it because you said. I think if, if I know Peter at all based on just what we see of him in Scripture, what was in his mind was probably, hey, Jesus, stay in your lane. Don't tell me about fishing. But out of deference to Jesus, he says, I'll go ahead and I'll do it because you say so. Um, so here's the question. $64 question. Anybody know what that's from? You don't know? It's a radio program in the 1940s. It's a trivia show. And you'd answer questions. And in the 1940s, the top prize was not, it was not the million-dollar pyramid. It was the $64 question. I, I know a lot of things. You come here and you find out stuff like that. Where else are you going to get that? Where else are you going to go to church and get that? Um, $64 question is, back to the, uh, to the text here, would we do what Peter just did? Or do we tend to compartmentalize our lives to the degree that we might not be quite so willing to take instruction from Jesus in an area that really is outside of his expertise? I mean, look, he's pretty good with the spiritual stuff, all right? Bible study, prayer, those things, sure. But do we take instruction from Jesus when it comes to making business decisions? Or do we take instruction from Jesus on relational kinds of issues? I mean, come on, let's be real here. He never even really had a girlfriend. You know, I mean, things have changed from then to now. The world is a very different place. It was so simple then. It's complex today. Modern technology, economics is different. Medicine is different. Engineering, there's so many things. I mean, really, Jesus is pretty good with the spiritual stuff, but would we be willing to allow him to speak into our lives in the way that Peter just allowed him to speak into his life and tell him what to do with his business? And my answer is this. If Jesus is Lord, then Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of our life and he's Lord of our whole life. He's Lord of our business. Lord of our economics, our relationships. He's Lord of it all. Jesus is very intentional here in what he does. We talked last week about proclamation and demonstration. Jesus' pattern of ministry was to share and then to demonstrate. So he's teaching from the boat and he's explaining the kingdom of God to people. And now he's going to demonstrate the kingdom of God to Peter. He's going to let Peter know, hey, Peter, you know what? I am Lord of your life, your whole life. And so my question again is, are we willing to let Jesus into those kinds of decisions in our life? I want to encourage us today, all of us, to 
begin to maybe develop uh, what I would call spiritual awareness. Just an understanding, cultivate an awareness of the presence of God day by day, moment by moment as you go through life. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, many of us tend to think about Jesus in our morning prayer time, when we're reading scripture, when we come to church, maybe at or just before our home group on Tuesday or Thursday, but not so much when we're at work on Wednesday afternoon. But I think there is a benefit for us beginning to cultivate that kind of awareness and begin to look to Jesus for direction over some of the other aspects of our lives as well. We make decisions every day. The truth is the world we live in is fairly complex, and we make decisions that bear some weight, that have consequence to them all the time. Sometimes it's overwhelming, the number of decisions we have to make in a, in a day or a week or a month. And my encouragement is, can we begin to cultivate an awareness where we allow Jesus into that process of decision-making all the time. And here's the thing. If we're willing to do that, I believe that God will speak into those situations and begin to bless us. We, we, we have our little saying here, you know, we say, blessed to be a blessing. And that's sort of our motto, our slogan, our tagline, whatever you want to call it. And it comes from the book of Genesis where God said, I want to bless you that you might be a blessing to those around you. And that's what we hope to live in our lives. There's an updated version of that same thought in 2 Corinthians. If you go to the next slide there, it says, God is able to bless you abundantly, lots of blessing, so that how much? In all things at all times, having all you need, all things, all times, all you need, you'll abound in every good work. God wants to bless us so that we have what we need to give to bless others around us. Um, and I think that's what he wants to do if we invite him into the process of decision-making in our lives. Peter was willing to listen to the Lord. And he went ahead and did what Jesus asked him to do, even though it was probably, in fact, not probably, it was definitely not what he would have done otherwise. Peter would have wrapped it up and gone home and taken a loss on the day. Instead, he is, again, a little begrudgingly obedient. And what happens? God blesses him. No fishy, no money. Right? Big fishy, big money. Go to the next uh, slide. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And remember, they're fishing in the exact same spot they were just fishing in all night. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled their partners in their boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I love this. 
Here's what I love about it. Peter was tired. He was worn out. He was discouraged. But he was obedient. And he did what Jesus asked him to do, even though it was not the thing that he wanted to do. And instantly Jesus blesses him. I love this scene, if you think about it. I've never seen a scene exactly like this, but I've been on a sport fishing boat, fishing for tuna, when you get into a bite. And everybody on the boat hooks up at once. And it's crazy. And people are running around, and they're going like this, and, and literally fish are flying. I love the thought of this scene. These guys are tired, they're worn out, and they, they, they don't want to fish, but they fish, and all of a sudden there's fish everywhere. The nets are breaking, the boats are swamped, it's overwhelming. It's really chaos, if you think about it. Chaos breaks out. Peter acts in obedience to Jesus, and holy chaos breaks out all around him. What a wonderful thing. I don't know if there's a warning in that or not. Take it as you will. They call their friends, the guys come over, the other boat gets full, it's crazy. And in the midst of all this craziness, Peter repents. He realizes, I have no idea who I'm dealing with. Go to the next slide. Oh, go one more. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Peter sees Jesus for who he is. And in the midst of recognizing Jesus for who he is, Peter also begins to understand who he is. And the idea that you come into the presence of a holy and righteous God and you're not holy and righteous is fairly common in Scripture. Go uh, one more. Isaiah has this awesome vision of the Lord in the temple And what does he do? He falls down uh, before him and says, Woe to me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He sees the glory of the Lord. He says, I see what that is, and I know I'm not that. Go one more. Paul has a vision of the Lord. He hears the voice of the Lord on the road to Damascus. He falls down before him, and then later, as he's Thinking back on that experience, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. He realizes, yeah, Jesus is holy and righteous and I am not. And when we come into the presence of the Lord, he becomes real and we begin to realize who God is. God is God and I am not. He is holy and righteous and I am not. However, there's a very important distinction here that I want to make for us, and, I, and I, it's huge. Because in that moment, when we have a revelation of God and we understand who He is, and that we are not worthy, we also, at the same moment, do not feel worthless. Even though I'm not worthy, I'm not worthless. In fact, it's a 
interesting and beautiful dichotomy. It's the paradox of the kingdom of of God in that even though I am not worthy of the grace and goodness of God in my life, I am in fact worth everything to him. My life is of unsurpassable worth at the same moment that I'm not worthy of that. I didn't earn it, it's not in me, and yet God has chosen to bestow it upon me. Um, looking at the, I want to look at the last couple verses of the story. I think it's, it's an important part. Peter, Peter comes to terms with who he is, who Jesus is. In the midst of this chaos, there's fish flying everywhere. And he says, depart from me, Lord. You know, the guys are hauling in, just picture it, they're hauling in the nets as fast as they can. Things are getting crazy. And all of a sudden, Peter chooses that moment to fall down on his knees before Jesus. I'm sure James and John are going, what in the name of Sam Hill is going on right now? Go to the next slide. Uh, He and his companions were astonished to catch a fish they had taken. So were James, John, and uh, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Jesus said, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. They pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything, and they followed him. Um, Peter says, depart from me, Lord. And what does Jesus say in response? Come with me. Come with me. I love it. Peter says, I'm not worthy of this. And Jesus says, you know what, Peter? I want you on my team. I picture a second grade dodgeball game. The kids are lining up and they're choosing teams. And Jesus picks Peter first. I want Peter. Let's be honest. Peter was not always the sharpest tool in the shed. Just saying. Peter was a bit impulsive. Might say a hothead. He was a ready, fire, aim kind of guy. I have no doubt in my mind At this exact moment on the shore that morning that Jesus knew he was going to have to clean up after Peter a few times. This guy's a mess. But you know what? Peter, I want you on my team. Come with me. Jesus doesn't say, Peter, here's what I want you to do. Get your stuff together. I want you to go spend some time in prayer and meditation. I want you to clean up your act, get some spiritual disciplines in your life. Clean the fish scales out from under your fingernails. Get your stuff together a little bit. Come back and see me later. Peter, I want you to grow up a little bit, okay? knock some of the rough edges off, and then come back and see me. No, he says, Peter, come with me right now. He doesn't tell Peter to get his stuff together. First, he says, come follow me. And it's an interesting thing. Sometimes we feel like we've got to 
do this or that or get our life together before we follow Jesus. But the reality is this, that the process of following Jesus will, in fact, actually take care of that for you. If we begin to follow Jesus, we don't even really have to worry about the other stuff so much. It kind of falls away, and our lives begin to be transformed just by being in his presence. Peter, I want you on my team. Peter, think about it. I was at uh, Hope Vineyard last night, and uh, they're they're in the book of Acts right now. You know, uh, Peter, at at Jesus' arrest, denies Jesus three times. But he becomes one of the pillars of the church in Acts. Paul was a guy who was out persecuting Christians, throwing them in jail, beating them up. And he becomes another one of the pillars of the church. And I guess if I could say anything today, I would say this, that Jesus has something in store for you, regardless of where you might be today. I think God has good things for us if we make the decision to be obedient and allow him into those decisions in our life Uh, that we might not otherwise make. Maybe it sounds a little bit crazy what Jesus is asking us to do, but I think there's fruit in being obedient and willing to follow after him anyway. Let's stand.